My, the scriptures I have today that God has laid upon my, ha- my heart starts in Genesis 22. While you're turning there, I'm going to ask God, God's blessing and his anointing. Because I'm a representative of his word. I'm bringing his word. I bring nothing of myself other than submission. I submit to God and what he wants tonight. I believe that if each and every one of us do that, God will be glorified. He will, be, he, he will lift all of us up. I believe that. I believe that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We need your word, God. Yeah. How rich it is, God. How it, how it changes our lives, God, if we'll allow it. I pray, God, as the word goes forth, that it would encourage, it would change, it would lift up, build up. Lord, I pray, God, that the works of the enemy in this place would be bound. Anything that the enemy tries to stop or hinder, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. By the authority that you give me, Lord, I rebuke the enemy. I pray, God, for any hurt, any heartache, God, that it would be dealt with tonight. Not tomorrow, not Sunday, but tonight. God, I pray, God, that your kingdom would be furthered, strengthened. Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you for us in Christ's name. And amen. The Bible says in chapter 22, and there's 13 verses. If you'll allow me, I'm going to read all 13. It starts by saying, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah, offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come again to you. We'll come back to you. I want to stop there for a second. I want to mention a couple of things about this scripture. Understand that God... The Bible says, tested Adam, uh, Abraham. And he said that he called Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I. It's a very important part of this scripture. Because, you know, God sends out a call to many people, and sometimes he don't get a call, uh, answer back that says, here am I. Abraham didn't say, what's the conditions of your calling? He didn't say, what are you asking from me? He said, here am I. Understand that's important for us. And I'm going to be real tonight with the few minutes I have. I want to share my heart. But I don't want you to think that I'm preaching to you. Because this word is just as rich for me as it is and it should be to you. I believe God has something in store for us tonight. The Bible says that they went to a place that on the mountain that God showed them. They got the wood and prepared for sacrifice. In verse 6 it says, So Adam took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife 
And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord came to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here am I. Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And as it is said, this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Do you, do you know God provides? The Bible says that Abraham said we're going to go yonder and worship. I don't know that I would consider that worship. I, I, I know what he was doing was worship because he was doing it as unto the Lord. But I don't know that if, if God said, here's your orders, that I would say that was worship. So I want to ask you, congregation, what is worship? And that's not rhetorical. I want to hear an answer from somebody. Hopefully we have somebody that, that has a burning desire to say what worship is tonight. So what's worship? When you think of worship, what do you think about? You think about sacrificing your son on an altar? What do you think about worship? Let me help you out. One thing that happened was he prepared for worship. Did the Bible say that? He took the wood and the fire. He didn't go unprepared. He was prepared. Who, who do we worship? It gets harder from here. These are the easy ones. This is the easy part. Who do we worship? Somebody said it. Jesus, our Lord. The Bible says that he went to prepare himself to build the altar to sacrifice his son. He wasn't sacrificing his son because he wanted to. The Bible says he loved his son. How many of you love your sons or your children? Love my children. I love, I love all three of my children. My son is very near and dear to me. He's serving the country right now. He, he's um, in Texas, and he comes home for Christmas, and we're looking forward to that. I love my son. He's my only son. So not that if I had two sons it would be any easier, but I could see how that would be a problem. But the Bible says that God instructed him to do it. And that's what he did. He took him up as a sign of worship to God, of obedience. So one thing of worship is not an emotion. Because I can tell you right now, if Adam was a sane person, and I believe he was, he wasn't excited about sacrificing his son. Do we agree with, on that? He wasn't excited about taking his son to the, that place. But he, he was obedient to God. He prepared himself and he trusted God. 
All these things are factors that we must recognize are factors in our own life when it comes to worship. There has to be preparation. I, I believe we can come in and we can come together and we can dance and we can shout with little preparation. But sometimes a dance is not a worship to God. It's not worship to God. I'm not saying a dance can't be worship. I'm saying not every dance is worship. Not every shout is worship. The Bible says that we have, those who worship God must do what? Worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, yes, we're going to see an outward uh, 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 representation of what's happening in the spirit man at times. But that's not necessarily worship. Worship is, a, is much deeper than what we see on the outside. Preparation comes. How many of you have been late at night praying and know what I'm talking about when you, when you feel the presence, the very presence of God come inhabit the area where you're at? Some of my best worship has taken place in when I lived in a single-wide trailer. Jamie can testify to this. At night, I'd get up and I'd walk, and, and it was so small, you, you didn't walk too far. If you did, you were going to run into a wall. Whether you walk that way or that way, you're going to hit a wall sooner or later because it's a real small place, a single-wide trailer. On my face before God, crying my eyes out, some of the deepest worship has been when I was prepared. And I, I'm not saying prepared to come to church. Understand, we're, we're talking something larger than this place. This is a gathering place. This is God's house. This is a house of prayer. But I'm saying in a place like where Abraham was, the mountain wasn't, was not the important part. The fire wasn't the important part. His heart and, and, and readiness to be obedient to God was. And I remember being on, the, on my face before God, crying out to God, just emptying my heart out to God. The depth of worship is, is like no other. And, and, and I'm not saying it's the same, but he said we have to be available. We have to be ready. We have to be prepared to worship. And this is what Abraham showed. Now, how many of you know that this was symbolic of what was to come? We know that Jesus came. God sent him the same way Abraham sent his son. We know that the sacrifice was the son, God's only son that he loved. We know that the tree was placed on Jesus' back, which was the cross. And he went up that hill, which, which was represented in Abraham's time as the mountain. When he got up to the mountain, Jesus didn't, uh, God didn't stay the hand of the executioner. Jesus gave his life. He was crucified. We all know that. He was nailed to a tree. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. One thing, one reason why they had to stay, that the angel stayed Abraham's hand from crucifying his son or murdering or offering his son as a, a sacrifice was because his son couldn't, the death would have been in vain. The blood shed there wouldn't have helped you or me either one. But Jesus is dead. Amen. He was a life that was born of a virgin. We all know that. This is, this is the question I have for you. You've heard this message many, many times, I'm sure. You've read it many, many times. 
It's an exciting passage of the scripture. But the question I ask is, what will you do with the scripture? We're going to read another verse or, or two here in a minute, but what will you do with the scripture? It's tough when I look out on the faces of the people here. Because I know you're seasoned Christian, Christians. You've lived and you've heard the messages. How many of you have heard messages? I'll just see if I can get somebody moving. Here we go. All right. How many of you think you've heard or read most of the Bible? Yeah. How many of you have applied at least 75% of the Bible to your life? It's tough. It's getting tougher. Because I believe that seed, I, 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 my father-in-law is a farmer. I've told you this before. But he's got a table that he's got seed on. I don't care how many times I go in his shop where that seed is, it never sprouts. Never does a bit of good. I know the potential of that seed. But until it's put into a, a place where it can grow and it can mature, what good does it do is seed. And a lot the word is seed. You understand that, right? The word is seed. It's not meant just to be heard. It's meant to be applied, planted, taken into yourself and, and let it mature. When we hear the story of Abraham, and Isaac. Understand that it's really talking about us. Because this was a test. This was a test for Abraham, but we all have our own test. And this is where I want to get real with you. If I were to take my Isaac up, mine honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest, is my education. And I recognize that. And, and I've, I've worked 10 years and given up a lot of, of time that I can't get back with my family, with my church, with ministry. And I recognize that that was my Isaac. And I'm at the end of that journey, thank the Lord, but that's my Isaac. And, and I, I don't know that I can say I passed that test because of the attention that I gave to, to school. It's no need in looking back because we can't change what happened. But I recognize that as my Isaac. Now, God does something that I've seen, at least in my life, that he gives us opportunities after we fail. Do you believe that? The problem with me is a lot of times if I fail, I'm like the children of Israel. I'm going to go around at least 40 years before I make any changes. I'm going to try it at least 40 years and make sure that they ain't going to work, and then we'll try something different. That's how I feel anyway. But the truth of the matter is, is there's been times when God has spoke to me to do something, and I, I was a little nervous, and I didn't know that it was God. But God says his, his sheep will know his voice, and they'll answer. And then God gave me another chance and another chance. And, and that's the thing about God. He doesn't give up on us. So while we're maturing, he still loves us. While we're growing, he still loves us. When we talk about this scripture here, when he, when he talks about Isaac, I believe we all, I got a song that we're going to play in a few minutes. I, I believe we all have an Isaac that God wants us to release. Abraham released his son. You understand that, right? He was fully prepared to sacrifice his son in obedience to God. 
And we're going we're gonna to play that song in a minute. And I want you to hear the words. But before we do that, I want to tell you a story in the, in, in the Bible that really pulls this together. There was a, a woman at the well. We've heard that message and that story. But she, come to, she came to Jesus. And he asked her, said a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And then we know how the story goes. She said, I don't have, you don't have anything to draw with. How are you going to give me water? And he said, if you, if you would understand this, that the water that I'm offering you, you'll never thirst again. If you would take the water that I'm offering, it's everlasting life. You'll never thirst again. I believe that's a true statement. But I believe this is true also. I heard a man say one time, a preacher... He said that a lot of times Christians are spiritually dehydrated. Spiritually dehydrated. Hear what I'm saying. If you stop drinking water, you die. And I believe the same thing is true when it comes to the Spirit. If we stop drawing from the well that He promises, we'll get dehydrated. I believe that. Uh, And a lot of people... We see in the day when, when you look at the statistics and it's over 50%, I don't have the number. It used to be 73% and, that, and it went down to 68% and whatever the percentage is now of people who profess Christ as their Lord. Not just, not just churchgoers, but people who confess Christ as their Lord, Christians. You'll see the, the cross, and I have nothing against the cross as far as a necklace or a ring or whatever. But a lot of people hold that as their source of power. You'll have a cross in your house. I have one in mine. You'll have a picture of Jesus. You'll have a scripture on your wall. And, and I liken that to if Jesus was comparing water, physical water, to spiritual life. It would be like me saying... I, I see that water is something that I need to survive. The same way a Christian says, I see that I need to be sold out for Christ. I need the water that he offers, the everlasting life from the well that he offers. But instead of drinking that water, I put it in a box and I look at it. And I say, that water sure is good. Look, that's, that's what we need for life right there. Listen to me. You got the water in the cup behind the glass. How much good is it going to do? When does the water do you any good physically? This is tough. When you what? When you drink it. This is, I, I'm, making, I'm bringing this way down low. I know it's Wednesday night, but listen, this stuff is, is true, and I think it'll help us. If you, if you see the physical water won't help you till you drink, how do we think that a, a cross on the wall is going to help us unless we apply it? When it comes to worship, a lot of people see worship as in this, in this building, and I believe we can have some outstanding worship services. I believe that, and I believe it can make a difference. It made a difference in my life. It can make a difference in others' lives. I, I, I get blessed when I see others worshiping. Sister Juanita, when, when, when she worships God and her grandchildren, it's just it, it does something to me to see that kind of expression of worship. But I'm not a spectator. God never called me to spectate. He never called me to look at the, the glass of water behind the, 
a box, a glass. He, he, he intended me to take spiritually the water that he offers and apply it. And I'm speaking to myself. So when, when we think about this whole idea of worship, we think about how Abraham went up and he prepared to worship God. We, we, we go back and, and see another example in the Old Testament of Elijah, when Elijah prepared. And I like that story of Elijah. He allowed the, the pagan worshipers to, to mess up and beat up and cut themselves and destroy the altar. What's the first thing he did? Do you remember? After they did all that and he called out his God, he rebuilt the altar, didn't he? Then he poured water on the altar. Because I can tell you right now, a lot of people want to see Christianity go away. Don't they, Brother Gerald? They want to see us Christians die out. They want to see what message we have die. But just like Elijah showed, you can dump water on the altar, but my God is stronger than any substance substance that man can bring to try to cover him up because the bible says that as we know god sent fire down from the sky from heaven and consumed the altar how many of you know we need to be consumed not just a little i and and i and i'm i'm guilty because i i think we can get so busy on this earth that we miss really where god wants us to be i believe that I confess that to this body. Um, but I can tell you this. God's a forgiving God. Yes, he is. But he wants all of us. There was a song that said 99.5% won't do. i got to make 100 before I'm through. I believe that's where we need to be, church. I believe that I believe that so, uh, uh, so much in my heart that I want to please God in everything I do that I'm willing to do whatever he says do. Again, Abraham didn't say, what's the conditions of your calling, God? He said, here I, here I am. Whatever you want from me, here I am. How many of you tonight, a couple weeks from Christmas, ready to be with family and, and, and a, a perfect time? I, I think when you talk about cultivating soil and you, you talk about growth, this is a perfect time. Because people... I, what I've seen a lot of times are more readily available, more readily uh, um, um, bought into the idea of love and connection. How many of you right now believe that you or, or, or can say to me or, or yourself that you want to sell out 100% to God? It's not a choice tonight. You may you, you're saying that's that's my life, 100%. And there was a, a, a famous before we play this song. There was a famous minister. That said, it's, it's not seen yet. We have not yet seen what God can do with a life that's completely sold out to him. I believe that we have potential. I believe that we have uh, um, opportunities. Brother Gerald was talking, and I don't believe you, I don't, I don't think you'll mind me saying this, but he was up and, and listening to um, the man with the cake that Pastor Don was talking about where he refused to make a cake for a homosexual couple. And he was there supporting 
the right for Christians to be Christian and hold a standard. We need more people like Brother Gerald. We need more people like Pastor Don, who has done more for Durham than I can probably ever do in, in two lifetimes. You, you do realize that. I, some people may not know Pastor Don. I think most people here do. But he's made a huge impact. Sister Carol made a huge impact on Jamie and I when we first got here. Still, I know she prays for me. And, and, and has made a huge impact. I can look around at the faces. And I know that you're sold out to God. And I believe there's going to be a breaking. I believe eventually there's going to be a breaking. And I believe it's going to be in my lifetime. I believe it's going to be in this church. Because it does not matter. It does not matter our location. Whether we're in Durham, New York, Florida, California, what matters is the condition of our heart. Are you ready? That's the question. And I ask myself that. Get ready. My daughter, last thing, and we're going to play this and we'll come and pray. My daughter, a couple of nights ago, um, heard a plane come real close to the house. Me and Jamie were there uh, sitting in the living room with Savannah. And she grabbed my arm and started crying. And she thought that North Korea, this is her idea, she thought North Korea had sent a, a bomb over and we were, we were about to die. And after she calmed down, actually the next day I talked to her and I said, why were you so upset? She said, Daddy, if I hear something like that at, at night and I'm at, in my bed alone, she said, I'll start praying. She said, I'll, I'll pray for my family. She said, because I, I, one, I don't want to die and I don't want y'all to die. That's the world we live in right now. I didn't have to think of things like that, I don't believe, when I was a child. I didn't think about bombs dropping on us. What a, what, what a terrible thing for a child to have to conceive in her mind that this must be a bomb about to drop. But I'm not discouraged. Not at all. You know why? Because she prayed. Now, if she said, I didn't know what to do, then I, I, I would have been discouraged. But she prayed. And, and, and I just I know there's so much pressure in this world, but I know God is stronger than anything we face. And I, I believe, maybe it's just my conviction, maybe it's not yours, but talking to people like Brother Gerald, who has convictions uh, about different things like coming up against the pornography industry in Durham, that's a powerful thing. You know, God has called us to more than just singing songs and coming into a sanctuary. He has called us to more. He has called us to go up that hill and offer our Isaac, whatever that may be. It may be our past. It may be our future that, that we're, we're holding on to. It may be our present. It may be whatever it is. God's saying, let your Isaac go. Because I'm not trying to hurt you. God's saying, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to destroy, destroy you. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Therefore, good, you're good and not your evil. See, because there's another scripture that said, what the enemy meant to destroy you. What the enemy meant to destroy me, God meant it for good. God, God will turn around a situation if we will be sold out to him. How many of you are ready to make that march up the hill with your Isaac? Brother Mark, can you play that song? Listen to the words of these, this song.
when you consider that song, I, I, I don't know if that's the first time you heard that or if you heard that before. I want you to consider for yourself the same way I'm going to consider tonight. Where, where do you stand with the Lord? And I, I don't mean salvation. I mean, where do you stand with the Lord? He calls you, do you say, here I am? Or when he calls you, do you ask him conditions? What's the conditions of your calling? When, he, when you come to God in worship, you come to him open or do you come to him reserved? I believe that it's time. And I'm not the pastor of this church, and Pastor Don does a marvelous job, so that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to encourage you tonight to let you know that if you had anything holding you back, if anything has hindered you, it's okay to let that stuff go and start up that mountain because God's not going to lead you anywhere that's going to destroy you. He's going to lead you where it's going to build you up, mature you. He's going to lead you to a place that's going to make you more than what you are right now. And what, what does that mean to be more? It really means to be less of yourself and more of him. We, we, and I don't have time to get into it, but the Bible talks about crucifying the flesh. We hear messages and heard messages about pouring yourself out that he might pour into you. I want to encourage you tonight. If there's anything hindering you and you can't get past it, if it's something that's got a hold on you, Find somebody that you can trust. Find somebody that you, uh, a Christian brother or sister, and let them pray with you. I believe it's time that those, those hindrances, those bonds be broken. You believe that? Amen. Amen. Brother Mark, can you play something softly as we go to the Lord in prayer? I invite you to come to the altar, and hopefully something has been said. If nothing else, the word has been preached. And the, the songs that have gone out, I hope have encouraged you. Um, if, it, like I said, if you need to grab somebody by the, arm, by the arm and ask them to pray for you, by all means, do that. Brother Mark, let's pray.